welcome to the Dental Deep Dive, where we dive into industry trends and best practices for optimizing your dental organization while providing the best possible experience and care for patients. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Deep Dive. Today, I'm going to be joined by Tom Barbario. Tom has over 18 years of industry experience delivering technology solutions in a variety of industries, mostly focused on dental, medical, financial services, and overall IT consulting. Tom's broad industry experience spans across different types of enterprises of varying size, including Fortune 500 companies, all the way down to DSOs, NDSOs. His specialties include mergers, acquisitions, and de novo build-outs. Tom has held and currently holds CIO and consultant level advisory positions in many large DSOs. He currently sits on multiple advisory boards for large manufacturers as well as private equity firms in the dental space. He holds a BS and master's degree in computer science and information technology. He also holds a handful of certifications like HIPAA, high tech, SOC 2, SOC compliance. In addition to his impressive bio and his background, one of the things that we really want to dig deep into in this episode is really looking at what are the hot topics in the dental industry right now. We want to do a deep dive on reporting and how it's helping practices. We're going to have some high-level conversations around operations. We're going to talk consolidation, decentralization, and some of the things that people should really be investing in right now. And with that, let's dive in. Welcome, Tom, to uh, this episode of the Dental Deep Dive. We're glad you could be here. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure to join. Hey, uh, I know you're out on the East Coast and life is incredibly hectic, but I know you're extremely clued into what's going on in dental. So what are the hot topics that people are talking about right now and and what should people be thinking about? Yeah, no, that's a a really good topic. Um, Very interesting. So we've been having a lot of conversations with uh, people specifically around um, how to engage new technology with dental um, and not become uh, stagnant. So we've seen a lot of interest in the last kind of three to four months, particularly since the turn of the year, now that everyone's getting back into the swing of things around AI and how can AI be integrated into dental not so much as a replacement for things, but more so as an augmentation tool to help clinicians as well as other people be able to really envelope that patient experience and take things a lot further than maybe they were prior to that. Oh, very interesting. Are they looking at anything specific in that AI arena? I mean, is it mostly like clinical? Is it mostly scheduling or... Yeah, so we've actually seen it in two spots, right? So originally, we started to see it more um, on the front side of the house for, you know, smart scheduling, patient retention, um, being able to do some more of the traditional means of uh, filling up the, the chairs, so to speak, and making sure that the reach out was occurring. But over the last couple months, we've also seen how can that kind of also be enveloped on the clinical side? particularly around digital radiography. There's some newer technologies and things out in the field kind of integrating on the digital radiography side of the house as well as into the practice management system to really look to say, hey, what may have been missed here or you know, what offerings can a clinician be able to give to the patient 
to be able to kind of provide that full suite of services or services that maybe someone may have missed, right? Using kind of uh, technology to their advantage of, hey, maybe take a look at this. And that's kind of been a new thing. It used to be very front-focused appointments, recalls, things like that. Now we're seeing the clinicians kind of embrace that on the backside as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a conversation with kind of a provider who's a head of an organization last week. And and it's interesting. A, a lot of us really want that AI to get more and more integrated into the entire, you know, practice management or patient lifecycle management, I guess would be the easier way to think about it. But it was interesting because, you know, we're all like hoping it's there. And then when we go to look at it, maybe maybe we're early a little bit here and this is pretty mainstream right now. So I'm, you know, it's interesting. I, I keep exploring it. I've seen some really cool innovations in that area. And so I, I'm always keeping an eye on it. Yeah, it's definitely becoming a, a more pressing uh, topic that, you know, a year ago, even two years ago, really wasn't on the forefront. It's definitely something that's come about very recently. Yeah. Do you think that's being driven because of like outcomes, requirements that are coming through payers? Or is it more just the fact that we know the technology's there and we believe that we should be implementing it? I think it's a little bit of both, actually. I think that what you started to see is that the outcome requirements coming from the payers, particularly in some of the more regulated spaces, um, when you're dealing you know, with some of the, the Medicaid or Medicare population, they have a little bit more strict requirements, even on the private side of the house too, right? It's clamped down. So they really want to make sure that all that documentation and stuff is there. But I feel that you've got a subset of people that explore it because of that, you know, on the revenue cycle side of the house. But I actually think that the industry as a whole has really done a pretty good job of really trying to preach technology and that technology can help evolve dental. So now you're seeing um, clinicians wanting to embrace that. Now, I also think, too, part of that is coming from the fact of that we're starting to see what I call kind of the generational gap. We're seeing a lot of younger practitioners enter the field now. So they're coming out of the dental schools and coming into things, you know, just a little bit more embraced with technology. So they're a little quicker to adapt some of it. So we're kind of seeing that churn come. So I think they're saying, hey, how can I use technology to help my practices and help my patients, which, you know, a couple of years back, um, you know, that it's just the evolution of that happening right now. No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One thing that, you know, I get a lot of requests on, uh, particularly in what's, you know, what really shaped up over the last year is the ability to get to the right data at the right time. I mean, the concepts around reporting, extensible reporting modules, manipulation of data. I mean, it's a it's a really killer topic. I mean, what are you seeing in that area? Yeah, so that's a very interesting topic, right? Because data's always been king in this industry. The fact of the people who had more data had a better sense of being able to really drive the practices and really fully understand what would be able to come. So the more data that a person has versus a data that that does not has always been better. What we've seen changing, though, is the type of data that's being looked at, right? Historically, people would always look at maybe number of patients revenue per patient, things like that. Now what we're seeing is, is how can you have more efficient use of chair time and more efficient use of being able to really maximize practitioners' time to be able to do more things in a given time period. 
So the analytics has really changed because for years, you could always pull basic analytics out of practice management systems, right? We, we've known that for a long time. We've seen that, you know, in products like a, like a Dentrax, the larger groups were very good at pulling the data. Now, what we're seeing is some of the mid-sized groups and things like that, as well as uh, even solo practices, there's a lot of products now on the market that are really data-centric and focusing on data and the analytics of that data to be able to really help understand the health of the practice and where there could be additional growth opportunities. I agree on all fronts. I mean, good, good points. In that analytics area, are you seeing anything that you're thinking, wow, that's that's totally game-changing? Or do you feel like it's just kind of a good natural evolution? So that's a very interesting topic. So I think it's just kind of been a good natural evolution. I think the data's always been there. I think now what we're seeing is people using it more, right? We, we've talked a lot about this in the last year and a half or so. COVID really changed that because people really needed to understand, you know, where the gaps are, what is the ramp, things of that nature. So we're seeing now that everyone's utilizing maybe all of their data sets versus prior. They may have had the data and they may have passively been looking at certain pieces of it, but now they're seeing that the overall component of it and the picture overall is probably more important than just an individual piece of the data. Yeah. No, I I think that's really interesting. You know, one of the things that we saw in some data from Henry Schein was as customers were bouncing back after the, you know, the full shutdown, it was really interesting to see the customers that relied on technology and technology partners, they rebounded really quickly. And it was really interesting for us. You know, we really saw that across different areas of our business, but the customers that were more heavily invested in technology, they bounced back quicker. I mean, they really had a leg up. And I and I think it's really interesting that these are some of those areas where, you know, I had customers asking me for data that they'd never asked for before. It was, you know, show me all the broken appointments from this time to this time. And I'm like, well, I don't have an out of the box report for that, but let's figure something out. And it was really interesting that it became important for everybody to get to data uh, in, you know, in an efficient way. Yeah, that's definitely true. Before it would be, you know, there was always the canned data, right? There was the, the, the common metric. So now I think people really want to look more deep dive to really understand um, what's there and where there could be even more tweaks and more improvements as things have evolutionized, especially in the last year or so. Any other hot topics? You know, we, we jumped, we hit AI, we had a good chat there, we talked a little bit about analytics. Any, any other hot topics that we missed that you think we should touch on? Well, I think, you know, the other, the other hot topic is also integrations, right? The ecosystem has really expanded in dental, where there used to just be a couple players in the market space that kind of had, you know, limited features of things. And now, you know, as a dental practice, a dental practice owner, a group practice, there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of options of pieces of software that do a lot of different things. Um, A lot of them do the same things, right? But everyone kind of has a little bit of a niche. So what we've started to see is, is that it's not always a one size fits all type of thing, that it kind of goes more along with the evolution of people want to download an app to their cell phone. And you might have another app that does one piece and a second app that does something else. So we're seeing that now kind of cross over into the dental space where kind of having that ability and API access and things like that into systems 
to be able to allow different technologies to be able to access things uh, in a more open architecture has been really key. And the companies that have really adopted that and the people that have adopted that have been very successful and really growing client base and allowing more things to be able to access in a secure fashion, to be able to really, really emphasize the patient experience from that. The uh, practice's data and that database of patients is really key, right? Dental is a very competitive landscape. So, you know, what sets you apart from the dentist that may be a mile down the street from you, right? So the key is really in that marketing and that patient experience and really using that data and having applications to be able to mine that data, to be able to keep them attracted to your practice and keep them wanting to come back and grow for more. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Are you seeing areas of patient experience that just have really changed over the last year? I mean, I think COVID's really sent us down a a really great path as far as the touchless front desk experience, as far as you can get, right? Are you seeing any other like specific patient experience areas that, that people really need to focus in on? Yeah, I would say one of the big areas that we're seeing in addition to, you know, touchless front desk as much as you can is really offloading as much of the patient experience to portals and things like that. You know, having the ability, new patients to be able to register, everybody's doing everything online. Nobody wants to come in, fill a piece of paper out on a clipboard anymore, all that kind of stuff and all that, uh, you know, personal information getting fed into systems ahead of time to allow all of that to be done, which not only keeps the the process of the check-in and the patient flow um, being able to go quicker, but it's really just more patient-centric, right? Patients want to be able to go to one spot. They want to be able to book their appointment. They want to be able to see their forms, see their results, maybe request things such as bills, uh, if they have to go to specialists, request x-rays, things of that nature. So we're really seeing it kind of be more modeled after what we saw in the medical space happen you know, in the last five to six years, we're now seeing it happen in dental, where it's kind of that epicenter and patient portal type of concept is a real, real big thing. That's a game changer for a lot of people. Yeah, totally, totally tracking that. And, you know, in our wheelhouse, you know, we see a lot of pressure to be able to do even better job at the virtual waiting room and, and really handling that customer or patient experience is probably the best way to word that. Yeah. That's a that's a big concept and the big things that are really starting to uh, become up and coming and that you're going to see more and more of that getting adopted fairly quickly uh, throughout the industry. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Are you seeing any other areas when it comes to operations that are really helping practices become more successful? One of the other areas that we're seeing practices really become more successful is the ability to constantly be connected with the patient. May that be pre-appointment, post-appointment, and how they're connected. It's the days of just, hey, someone call in, maybe do a phone call, recall, um, is, is, is changed, right? People want to do instant chat. They want to have more of a immersive experience. You know, we've seen teledentistry has started to take hold similar to telemedicine. I think it's a little bit more difficult um, in the dental field for that to really go to the same degree that telemedicine did, although there's a lot of advances going on in that. But I think really the fact of being able to stay engaged with that patient all the way from the marketing of, hey, how do I find a new patient? 
to getting them to be sold on the practice, stay with the practice, and then retaining that patient all the way through. That's kind of really been the big, the big push that we've seen. Do you see any other opportunities that we should be really looking at? I mean, we've talked about consolidation over the last few years quite a bit. But one of the things I think is really interesting is I'm starting to see more customers really looking at decentralization. And they're starting to put some of the RCM back into the practices. So I'm seeing this mixture, this hybrid. Can you talk to that? Yeah, that's an interesting topic, Dave, because I was just talking to one of my clients recently who, who about four years ago spent a significant amount of dollars in capital. Um, in the DSO space to do a centralized RCM model. And now we're starting to see exactly like you said, we're starting to see some of the decentralization. And the reason that I think this is going on a little bit in the industry is from the fact of that they're trying to make it a little bit more of what I call the human touch versus that office manager or clinical coordinator or treatment coordinator, whatever you want to call them at the local level in an office, even the, the receptionist. They know the patient, right? They have that personal experience. They say, hey, Mrs. Smith, welcome. You know, they remember Mrs. Smith. And when Mrs. Smith talks to Mary at the front desk, you know, she feels welcomed and it feels more of a a kind of family-friendly and friendly practice feel versus in a centralized model, it feels more like a call center or a contact center. Somebody who, even though the representative may be friendly, they, they probably never met Mary or maybe never even talked to Mrs. Smith before, right? So that we've seen, um, especially when times are a little tighter for financial situations for a lot of people as well. So when you're dealing with some of these more sensitive conversations around uh, treatment planning and money and things like that on the revenue cycle side, we've seen some success in the decentralization model because the patients feel a little bit more comfortable And some of the organizations have actually given some more flexibility to the local staff to be able to handle those types of situations a little bit differently. Maybe that may be through some kind of, you know, patient financing or some kind of a payment plan or something like that. But just really having that kind of all-encompassing family feel tends to go a lot further than maybe more of a a centralized kind of off-putting feel on that. That's not to say, though that a centralized revenue cycle management is not effective because usually we see a hybrid approach, right? There's usually components that are more paperwork components, maybe claims, things like that, that could be very effective in a centralized model. But some of that more patient interaction may actually work a little bit better in the decentralized model. And we've seen people experimenting with both. You know, it's really interesting because I'm seeing this evolution towards this hybrid model. I mean, people really want to take advantage of these scalable models for centralization, but they also want to really capture that personal touch. They want to handle questions right at the desk, giving people options. So I'm seeing it's very very progressive, this interest in people. It used to be that the tide was swinging completely one direction, and now we're starting to see uh, that evolution of these hybrid workflows. And I think it'll be very interesting as people keep an eye on that over time here. Yeah, and I think that's going to present a little bit of a technological challenge, right? Because for years, the industry was building tools and figuring out, hey, how do I centralize this, right? So now you have the challenge of saying, hey, I might want to go the decentralized model. However, 
I still want the advantages. You hit the nail right on the head of that kind of oversight and ease of use, so to speak, of what works in a centralized model. So that makes it a little bit more challenging for the manufacturers and software developers, as well as the technology progresses to be able to kind of find that balance for both, because now it's not as uh, black and white as it once was. Yeah, totally. Are there any other areas in that arena that people should really be thinking about and touching on? Well, in particular, I think they really have to think about all the areas that a practice touches, right? When you're making a decision, uh, if you're looking at a centralized model versus a decentralized model, particularly around revenue cycle management, there's some huge impacts on that, right? I mean, that's the lifeblood of a lot of practices, particularly in in a group practice situation. That has to have some very tight controls because there's also a lot of changes that happen on the regulatory side, um, on the payer side of the house, too. So being able to keep all that staff trained and also keep the controls is a big thing. I think there's that happy balance. I think what you're going to start to see is I think the hybrid model is going to become more and more popular um, as things go forward. And I think the key to making that work successfully is going to be able to have very easy to use platforms as well as unified platforms that are easy to access in both of those environments that still could put some controls in place, but still allow you to kind of go either direction of how you want to structure those types of activities. Yeah, yeah, I really think you're onto something. It's that balance of flexibility and control that's really driving some of that. I get a lot of requests for granular permissions, granular controls in the application. And what I'm really seeing is people trying to find that right balance for their organizations. Absolutely. So big picture, you and I have had a lot of conversations over the years. And honestly, one of my favorite things to ask is what should people be investing in right now? Yeah, so I would say the number one thing that people should be investing in is, believe it or not, is... uh, security products within the suite. Um, I've spent a lot of time recently in the industry uh, speaking about this. It's an unfortunate necessity. Unfortunately, the industry as a whole has been very targeted recently, um, particularly not only for ransomware, but other security threats and making sure that you're secure in that fashion. It's a lot different than it was, you know, years ago, people like, hey, I've got a firewall, I'm good. Or in some cases, I don't have a firewall. It's more than that, right? Especially with, uh, you know, a lot of the SaaS-based platforms, uh, software as a service platforms where PMSs are in the cloud inherently, there's more protections around that. But there's still components that still have to live locally. So they have to be invested in. That's not only from security training and security awareness, but also security products on a consumer endpoint. So I think that's number one to protect the business. And I think number two is there's still a lot of practices and a lot of places out there that are decentralized in their technology footprint in a multi-location environment. So if you're a multi-location environment, you've got to get to some sort of centralized practice management system. Whether it's a cloud-based system, a hybrid system, there's a lot of choices out there, right? But having an individual solo system that's running locally in each of the offices is not only opening them up to more security issues, but it's also becoming a management issue. Because we were just spent earlier in this podcast discussing data and being able to analyze the data. That becomes increasingly difficult 
when you're in that decentralized model. Not to be confused with decentralized model for like a revenue cycle or something like that, I'm talking purely on the uh, technology footprint. And then I think the third thing is patient engaging technologies. You're only as good as how much you're engaging with your patients, whether that be some kind of uh, SEM product or software as a marketing product or something to really keep patient retention. That's a big thing. It's a very competitive landscape out there right now to being able to keep brand awareness as well as um, as well as keeping the brands uh, the same. That's a big thing that needs to be looked at and really invested upon um, to be able to make a successful practice. No, I really like um, some of those areas you really stumbled on. It's it's interesting because on our side, I'm seeing more and more hardware as a service options. I'm seeing more and more drive towards centralizing in a good strategy so that you can deliver software, you know, like SaaS. I mean, people have been doing that with Dentrix Enterprise for years. About half of the Dentrix Enterprise install base probably delivers it remotely anyway. And so it's it's very interesting to see that creep up on on the security side because there are so many more threats now. I, I it's it's very interesting. I I'm seeing customers really start to evaluate that area. And I think that they are maybe overly focused on technological pieces and maybe under-focused on the human aspects in some cases. Would you agree with that? I do. Um, And I think that that's a problem (laughs) because a lot of these um, issues occur. Sometimes you got to go back to the basics, right? Because without the people, there is no practice. So you really have to focus on how are you keeping the patients happy? How are you keeping the staff happy? That, that's actually a big thing that, that people forget. You know, every, you always are focused on the patients, but you also have to be focused on the staff. It's been a very trying time and it, it, it's tough and it depends on, you know, regionalization in the country. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of issues with uh, employment of staff and things of that nature, which is really important of how do you keep everybody engaged um, and keep everybody safe and happy at the same time, because that's really key. Because if you don't have the patients and you don't have the staff, <laughs> you don't have success, right? You need both on an equal side of the equation. And we're seeing a lot more focus now, too, on the employees and the staff of a practice in addition to the patients. Yeah, I would say one of the surprising things that I've seen in the last probably four to five months is the increase in investment in staff education. Like I'm starting to see a bigger push that direction. And a lot of it's even just operational knowledge, right? SOPs, best practices, how do we communicate with patients, some of those areas, but really making sure that the staff feel comfortable, not just with the tools, but with the plan for those patients, right? I mean, it's it's very interesting. I, I think you're really hitting on some really salient topics right now. Yeah, I think that's 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 really that's really been key and making sure that everybody stays engaged, right? Everybody having engagement is, is key to the success because when people aren't engaged, it's a ripple effect. It starts with the staff, which then goes to the patients and um, you want to make sure that everybody stays happy. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Are you seeing the engagement models, particularly in patient engagement, are you seeing that evolve because of like the younger demographic coming up? Or do you think it's, just that competitive now that people need to be really on their A game to retain patients? 
Again, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think that the landscape has become super competitive. So the consumers more educated in space than they have been in the past, right? That's just from just the advent of social media and consumer-based advertising um, in general. So people know that there's options out there. You know, it used to be, you know, you'd go to the dentist, maybe your parents brought you to the family dentist and everyone stayed with the family dentist as long as you lived in the area. Now it's not like that. Now, you know, you've got ones that are for more specialty and, you know, it's really about patient experience and what can they offer for you? Because the landscape is very, very competitive out there. And that's definitely also been a generational thing on both sides of the coin. You have younger generational of patient population now coming into the mix that you need to keep happy and keep engaged because they're much, much more active on social media and things of that. But you also have the younger set of the practitioners rolling into that too. You know, back in the day, if a patient wasn't happy, the only way that they could express that is maybe they had to write a letter or, you know, maybe send something to the, the Better Business Bureau or something. Now, it's very easy for someone to write wrong or indifferent say their opinion literally in two seconds on a Facebook post, on a, you know, a Google uh, review. So that's really important. And staying up with that is super important because that could make or break a practice because that online reputation, there's millions and millions of dollars spent a year um, by organizations on looking at some of that stuff. Um, That's super key because it's very easy to go in either direction with online reputation. And that is probably the advent of technological advancement, as well as just the younger generation of consumer, as well as the younger generation of uh, providers as well. So if someone were to come to you right now, based on our intro, everybody knows that you do a lot of consulting in this area, IT consulting, all that kind of good fun stuff. So if they were to come to you right now and ask, what are the three things that I should be focusing on right now, short-term, mid-term, long-term, what should they do right now? Yeah, I would say the very first thing that they want to look at right now is how are they engaging with their customers, and in this case, with their patients. That's that's really key because there's a treasure trove of um, people in your database. You know, there's practices. Maybe there's people that you haven't reached out to in a while, um, and it's just you know your more frequent flyers. Going back and hitting them up. There's people now that you know maybe they sideline doing certain things with dental. May it be because of COVID or whatnot, you know, there was some hesitation, but now people are getting back out there and doing what they want to do. So there's no time, you know, no time like the present to really make sure that that gets engaged right away. I would say midterm, I'm really encourage people, you really have to invest in the technological footprint um, and look at making sure that you're able to offer the same type of technologies as your competitor when they come into the dental practice. It's all about updating things and you want to look fresh and you want to cater to that type of clientele, right? Um, Because that's where your clientele is going. So it takes a while. Um, It's not something that's overnight and it's not saying you've got to go spend, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars either. It could be something as simple as, you know, in your dental practice, maybe 
prior in, you know, in an operatory, maybe you used to have a cable box hooked to a TV versus now, you know, you put a smart TV in there to give consumers more options of, you know, how they feel comfortable and more relaxed when they're in the practice. And then that's more of a midterm play because you can kind of phase that in quickly and over time. And the practices that have not centralized, that needs to happen, especially in a multi-location facet, because having that decentralized model of practice management system is really going to hurt growth of the business as well as success of the business. And then I think the long-term play is really creating the vision of where do you want to go? Do you want to be the guy um, or the gal who is really showing your customers, hey, I have something really neat to show you. May that be through adoption of AI? How can you really help? But I think that some of those newer technologies it takes a little time for that to get immersed into the space. But if you start the planning now of doing some of the basic things, you'd be surprised how many clients we consult for and I go into that they don't have the basic things down, right? Like, you know, they just still struggling a little bit with how do they kind of modernize the technology to make patient flow well in their practice. You know, if you can get the basics down, you can then start to layer on some of the nice to have. And it'll be a lot easier and more cost-effective over time if the foundation is uh, built strongly. All great points. All great points. So one of the things that we do here in the Dental Deep Dive, because we're really trying to help the community, right? And and I really appreciate the really direct and salient things that you that you shared today. If they wanted to get more information from you, Tom, how, how do they get a hold of you? Absolutely. I, I love talking to people. They they can email me is probably the best way at any time. It's uh, T-O-M at T-H-I-N-C-F-O-R-W-A-R-D.com. That's Tom at thinkforward.com, T-H-I-N-C. That's probably the uh, best way. I'm always, uh, always up, always on email and love engaging with people. They could also um, look me up on LinkedIn at Thomas Barbario. Either way, um, you know, plenty of ways to contact and love talking to people in the industry and, you know, giving advice to people always open to uh, those types of conversations. All right. Hey, Tom, thanks again for participating in the podcast. So glad you could be here. Dave, I I appreciate it. I think you guys are doing a great job. I think this is a a great podcast to educate the user base and really just everybody, you know, be plugging away and making investments. And, you know, there's good things to come in the industry. It's it's just looking in a positive light. Absolutely. Thanks again, Tom. Appreciate you. And we'll see you again later. Thanks, Dave. Really appreciate Tom being here on the Dental Deep Dive. He brings a wealth of knowledge and we really appreciate him making time for us. You know, I really love how he touched on some of those hot topics, particularly around AI and creating the right type of engagement strategy for patients. Love the conversation around hybrid models, around revenue cycle management, and kind of seeing how people are starting to evolve that particular strategy. One of the things that I really gained from this conversation specifically was really looking at some of those short-term, mid-term, and long-term things that people need to do right now, like really doubling down on security and making sure that we're, we're locked down the way that we should. There's a lot of things out there, a lot of bad people trying to get information, and we need to be really proactive at starting to look at our strategies in that security arena. So key takeaways, thank you so much for being here and listening and joining in on the Dental Deep Dive, and we'll see you next time. 
We'd like to offer a special thank you to Dentrix Enterprise for sponsoring this episode of the Dental Deep Dive. As you know, Dentrix Enterprise is the powerful platform for managing and growing dental practices, particularly if you have interest in centralizing operations and driving efficiency in your practice. If you'd like to learn more about how Dentrix Enterprise can help you consolidate and strategize around your dental practices, please reach out to them at dentrixenterprise.com forward slash dental deep dive.